Cardboard Studios presents. Heavy Cardboard, Episode 24, Puerto Rico. Coming to you from HeavyCon headquarters, Denver, Colorado. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium-heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and whatever else comes to mind. We're your host. I'm Edward. I'm Tony. So, first off, how to get in touch with us. Uh, website, heavycardboard.com. Twitter, at heavycardboard. We are super active. We would love to have you guys over there. Uh, Facebook, heavycardboard. Email is contact at heavycardboard.com. YouTube is heavycardboardvids. We just got our new URL. channel. And uh, so, yeah, check us out there. Uh, Last but not least, um, we appreciate all kinds of feedback. Whether it's on YouTube or on iTunes, mm-hmm. we got a, a our most recent uh, review from Irked or Irked uh, gave us a glowing review on iTunes. Can't be Irked then, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so thanks to everybody on Twitter, on YouTube, and everyone else for the Indeed. encouraging words here on mm-hmm. our new YouTube channel. Also, a thank you to Game Surplus for their sponsorship of Heavy Cardboard. Great people, great games, great prices, excellent inventory, a lot of import games too. So check them out, www.gamesurplus.com. Yeah, big fans of Velma and Amos over there. Good people. Um, they go the extra mile. Yep. And proud to have our name associated with them. So Indeed. Good stuff. So uh, we're recording this a day late. Normally we record this on Monday, but it's been a it's been a crazy week for both of crazy us. Crazy weekend. Right. Uh, and so by the time this releases on Thursday... Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow is HeavyCon. Um, I am stressed out of my gourd for it. Um, so it's three days away from it, from right now mm-hmm. or from when we release a day away. Uh, I think we're ready. We're getting the house clean tomorrow. Got the carpets clean and all that. But we got $400 in snacks and drinks. We got all the dinners planned. Um, got hours and hours of of gaming awaiting us. I just I just hope everybody enjoys themselves. Everybody, we got a lot oh, of yeah. people coming from uh, around the country. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm just excited, but stupid nervous. I'll Hopefully, be this will be the first of many years of HeavyCon. Well, got a got a guest book that has like 196 pages. Oh yeah. So maybe we'll fill that up next year. It may, maybe maybe no no uh-uh. no. Um, Oh, yeah, I guess I should mention that if I sound a little off or a little weird, I apologize. I'm getting over a really nasty cold. Uh, I still got a bit of a frog here, and I'm going to cough throughout the podcast, so I apologize. We don't have a cough button, so y'all are just going to have to deal with it, so so sorry about that. Two things. Uh, You're always a little off. (laughs) Now you sound like it. See, there you and, go. Uh, right. I, I better not come away from here and be missing heavy con. Well, here's the thing. Sick. No, no, I understand. I mean, you know, at least we didn't start the the video camera and everything while we were making out, so that that wasn't caught on film. Yes, so yes. that's good. But uh, Amanda actually, we thought got it from me because she's been miserably sick this week. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, she went to the doctor today. She's got a sinus infection and bronchitis. Mm. Neither of which. Could have come from me, so at least there's and that. She is locked in the back room. Yeah, she right, we in right. the dungeon, right? Yeah, right, right. Or the bedroom, so she doesn't interrupt. Planning but, tomorrow's dinner, I hope. Right, no, I'm the no, one no. who cooks. Yeah. So, no, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, 
what's going on with well, you? Well, uh, my weekend not, was... Not much. No, not much <laughs> at all. The, uh, the daughter uh, graduated uh, CU, so congratulations, Jessica. Yeah, congrats, Jess. She has a, a major in psychology now, minor in sociology and philosophy. So I'm like, bah! And she landed a killer first job. Well, she's already got a job. She yeah, she right, starts wow. uh, in two weeks. She just gave her notice at her at her internship, and um, she's making far more money than I thought she'd ever maybe start out with in that field. And so, really, yeah, I'm really really pumped. Good job, girl. Uh, part of part of that was part of the craziness with the graduation on that. All the guests, you know, my parents came into town. <laughs> and everything it was, just, it was a zoo over there when I went over there. Oh uh, my god, last weekend, dude, and you came. Later in the day, right? Because I didn't want to get animals sick. Had already <laughs> left. You know, so, yeah, it was. Uh, it was pretty crazy, man. Um, let's see. We um, through our guild. I wanted to say um, I loaned somebody a Grand Cru. Right? Wait, we were talking about Grand Cru. Right. Which my, is you, it's hard to get. Right. So I said, Hey, you want to use my copy? I'll send it. Which to is you. awesome of you. I hey, mean, seriously, I don't hear of anybody this a, else. This is a hell of a community we have built here. I think. And so, um, yeah, John up in uh, Washington. Loved it. And it's like, Phew. I went and tracked down a copy and emailed me mine back. So it was, uh, so that was very cool. So. Rock on, dude. That just that kind of just makes me all warm and tingly inside. Seriously, that is really cool that, that A, um, you thought to offer it. Because I'll be honest, thought wouldn't have crossed my mind, number wow, one. No. Um, it's and a number hard game two, to get. It's not like it was, you know, Zulkin. You can just go get that. Sure, but still. And number two, that the dude... Liked it enough, went and bought it, and then mailed you your copy back. Yeah. It's just rock on. Yeah, that, yeah that's really cool to hear, man. We uh, we started a heavy cardboard game group, too. Well, in theory, we actually haven't had the first. Well, the first one is on June 6th. Right. Right before it, my birthday. It's an 18xx day. Yes, it is. That is the first anniversary of the release of episode one. Uh, yep, yep. Of heavy cardboard. Rock on. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. It's an 18xx day, and... Um, if you ever travel to Denver, yeah, or if yeah, anybody in yeah, Denver, we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna try to get every Saturday in, alternating between our houses. So boardgamemeetup.com, find us, join us, visit us. That summed it up. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. So I'm sure people are wondering um, shipyard contest. We, yes, we did. We did say that we were going to offer one. Thanks to our sponsor, what a Game great surplus. Game. Uh, yeah, it's. Um, prominent spot on my mm-hmm, shelf mm-hmm. uh so we had 64 entries which mm-hmm. was awesome that's way more than we've had in the past so yeah. um thank you to everybody who entered uh unfortunately obviously we only have one copy to give away so sorry about uh, to 63 of you right um so the best way we knew how to do it was go to random.org yep. and throw in a number one to 64 and the number it spit out was number 19 uh, so congrats to the winner, Roger Dial. Uh, yay! Um, look for an email in the next couple of days from us. And again, thanks to everybody who, who entered. And we'll be having another in the next couple of episodes. And again, thanks to Game Surplus for, the, uh, for supplying the uh, giveaway. And for the other 63 of you, buy a copy. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's, it's really worth it. It, it is. And the fact that it's, it, it got reprinted, yeah. Um, yeah, it's easy to get. It's not out of print. You know, and we reviewed one, yep. although I guess it was out of print when we did. But you get the point. It's available, and yeah, have at it. 
So, Ed, tell everybody what games you've acquired recently. And by games, you mean games, singular. What, what game you've acquired recently? And even then, it wasn't even a standalone game. It was an expansion. What? And that's what? Container, the second shipment. It's sitting right there on my shelf. Ah! Um, there was uh, one of our listeners on Twitter notified me, hey, there's a guy in France who has a bunch of copies that he's selling, and it was like $30, $35 he was selling them. The, the uh, expansion? Yeah, yeah, which it goes for... Way, way more. Sure, sure. And so I was like, you know, hey, awesome. I jumped on it, got yeah. one. I tweeted about it, but I didn't hear any responses. So I don't know if anybody else jumped on it, you know, from mm-hmm. uh, Heavy Cardboard listener-wise. But, uh, yeah, so I'm really excited that I finally got that. Oh, it's cool. I understand that it's it's... For what you get, it's not really worth the money, but the expansion yeah. is cool. But component-wise, there's just not a lot no, there. No, no, but um, there, there's some really neat stuff in there. My, my copy came with it, and I finally got to play with the expansion at Conclave. and mm-hmm. yeah, It's got some cool stuff. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have it, but yeah, that's literally the only thing I've acquired. How about you? Well, um, I acquired Northern Pacific, finally. And uh, a quick shout-out to one of our listeners, Travis. I had sent a message on BGG to uh, a person that had it marked as uh, for for trade. Sure. And um, just blind, right? Just and I, like I mentioned in our call, last right? episode, I had done that, and the guy said, "Oh, you know, sorry, that was my extra copy, and I already sold it." And I'm like, <laughs> "Damn!" And so I, all right, next guy, right? And the guy responded back, and it was this Travis, and he said, "Yeah, I just got done listening to your episode about how you guys want it, so yeah, it's yours." So thanks, Travis. So he didn't give it to you. No, to no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's no. not get carried no, away. No, 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 no. But no, that was awesome. So, so he, he sold me Northern Pacific at market price, and we now have a copy. And uh, uh, Paul Chad was uh, so kind to me with SNCF that I'm going to reciprocate that kindness to Paul Chad now. Cool. I'm excited to try it because you guys were like not sure if it's a game yeah, or I, not. I can't wait to play it with you guys and have that conversation. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll probably play it this weekend mm. at HeavyCon. Hmm. Uh, I got my own copy of Age of Steam. Since we have our map now, I have to have a copy of that. <laughs> Plus, that, was, that, that time was the first time I played the game, and I, and I love it. And um, I had some gift cards to a local um, FLGS and mm-hmm. got a copy of For Sale for free because I love auctions. It's got a couple auctions. In sure, there. light little filler. Yeah, light little auction. filler. So. Plus, the, I dig that there's like a uh, Easter egg on each yeah. card, and the Easter egg is there's a different animal on each card, right? Yes. I mean, I, it's been forever since I played it. We played it over at Chad's group. My, my favorite two houses, quote-unquote, are the there's one that's a it's on a little island it's like a beach house right and the mailbox is on its own little island <laughs> I think that's cool and then there's another one that's an igloo and the mailbox is frozen inside of an ice cube big, big, big ice block you know I, I, it's, I, it's cute man the the one thing I remember my favorite one is just your house as a cardboard box oh yeah no. yeah that's the value one right yeah. yeah my son Chris loves that one yeah I, I dig it I appreciate that so that's it that's all yeah what not are, much by what are you hunting acquisitions um hunting princes of the renaissance 18 arden i would like to uh i probably the same flgs that you're talking about um they actually have copies of turf master in and it's supposed to be arguably the best uh horse racing game and even though i'm not big into horse racing i've always there's something about it that i've always it's always really piqued my interest and I've wanted a copy, plus it's really expensive. It's really hard to get. It's essentially out of print, at least 
minimal copies are available. Sure. And I'd like to, but I know it's available and it's more than I'm willing to spend right now. Gotcha. 150 bucks or so for really? it. Yeah. Wow. Um, but it's supposed to be fantastic. So hunting, really yeah. not much, but if I come across a good deal for any three of those, yeah, yeah that's it. Preakness was last weekend. Belmont's coming sure. up. It'd be the perfect time. And, and well, you know, possible triple crown winner. That'd right. be cool. I mean, it'd be, uh, let me see if I can get this right. I want to say 1976 and Secretariat, I think. Whatever. So, anyway, one by 33 furlongs. Well, there is there is or a game 33 that, uh, we're both anyway. anticipating the arrival of. We are. Kraftwagen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Uli actually uh, hollered at us. Yes. Uh, Uli is Spielworks. Right. And he out of the blue, he's like, hey, guys, I'd like to send you a copy for you all to review. Twist our arm. Fine. Yes. Um, I'm excited to try it because I've heard that it's uh, it has um, it's reminiscent of Glenn Moore. And yep. for those that don't that, know, that mechanic, right? And for those that you know, I'm sure most everybody knows it's one of the games I, I dislike the most. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I don't know why. And so I'm curious to see if Illogical I enjoy. Well, I'm totally. It's yeah. me. It's not the game. I understand sure, yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm curious to see if it's the theme of Glenn Moore, maybe because you know, with it being cars and and, yeah. and all that, well, that appeals to me. Plus, the artwork appeals to me. So I'm I'm hoping I enjoy this more. I think than there's I did a little more Glenmore. bolted onto this than Glenn Moore has. So. I mean, that'd be I guess good. But yeah. it, but the thing is, the the reason I don't like Glenn Moore isn't because it's a lighter game or what I mean there's plenty of lighter sure. games that I enjoy it's just yeah I just I'm hoping I'm excited oh. to to That's take cool. a look at that and check it out uh, about the only game on my list is I saw a picture of it on Twitter the other day and that triggers that defect in my genes that right, said that, oh yeah that's right I wanted to get that the, the acquisition disorder <laughs> right, right. Um, Mercator from uh, Uwe Rosenberg. It's one yep. of his older ones, but it's one of those where it's like, uh, you know, there's lukewarm mixed feelings mm-hmm. on it and stuff like that. I want to experience it for myself. I may sell it immediately. Funny you bring this up because we're going to talk about this after we're done talking right. about uh, Good. Uh, through the feature review about the whole, you know, there are things you want to explore about yeah. the game. So, so I'm going cool. to I'm gonna get that. I don't know... Uh, how soon? Because I just spent a crap ton of money <laughs> oh, on graduation. graduation and gifts and <laughs> car. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Mercator might have to wait. So uh, what have you been playing? Because I haven't played much at all. Yeah, I well, with me being sick first, then Amanda being sick, and then with Jess's graduation, there's been almost no playing of games, uh, to be honest. Uh, I play Crokinole. Over uh, three-player Crokinole with you and Chris, yeah. right? Uh, the night uh, of Jess's graduation. Right, right. Uh, Amanda and I played a, a game of Arboretum again, um, and she smoked me, mm-hmm. as is mm-hmm. usual. And I've been playing, it's it's actually, there's not many copies of this one out there. It's called uh, Getting Ready for Heavy Con Game. Oh, uh, nice. Talk about stressful decision-making in play, that. Isn't it? It, is, it very much is. <laughs> so yeah, sadly, but that's okay. really all I've had time for. But I'll be honest, I'm not too torn up about that because it kind of gets me jones in to want to play games. Yeah. And I'm about to have three days of it balls to the oh, wall, yeah, just nuts that's on this. Good. How about you? Well, um... With the parents in town, I actually whipped out a silly little game, Whoa. Little Devils. Oh, I, I I am terrible at that game. 
my, uh, and taught it to my mother and father. And he loved it. They asked to play again. And then that first game... Because they're not gamers. They're, they're, oh, no. No. I mean, they play bridge. You know, that kind of... That crap. generation. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. And um, so my mom, she was not really uh, getting it and stuff like that. Okay. Right? She's like, oh, you know, uh, uh, uh. Ended up winning. <laughs> After she got it, she was just like a terror or something. Right. Uh, playing for sale, Arboretum. Played a... A, uh, a prototype game that's soon to be on Kickstarter from one of our European friends. Yep. Uh, and and I played a lot of riffraff at the at the graduation party. You told me that when I got over there, that the game had been played in some form or fashion by some amount of people for the last five hours. When I got pretty there. much, that's pretty much. nuts. And like um, my the sister in law of my daughter's boyfriend, it's cousin's brother. Nephew, right? Uncle? Twice removed. Yes, right. Twice, gotcha. Uh-huh. She was like, she had never played it before. She was a savant, dude. <laughs> she was killing it, man. And um, she wants a copy. And so my my kid Chris said, "Oh, look here! It's actually was available on Amazon, not DE on Amazon US." Right. right. She's like, "I'm buying that in the car. Let's leave." <laughs> so, That's cool. It was very cool. So I think Riff Raff is in that pantheon of dexterity games that has a different place than like a bandu and a crokinole because it's a little more accessible yeah it's more if you've never played a game before in your life you can you can get this right so cool and you also played a crokinole with with me and chris I think I won that one. Yeah, oh, oh by a long shot. So now we have to have a world championship. <laughs> cardboard world championship. Ne- next year, I'm next holding year. on to my title. <laughs> right on. So it's time for Heavy Cardboard's take on First Train to Nuremberg. First Train to Nuremberg is a Martin Wallace-designed game from 2010. Woo-hoo! It is a remake, if you will, I guess, of Last Train to Wensleydale, which was a 2009 Tree Froggy game. Okay. And the Last Train to... Uh, went, excuse me. First Train to Nuremberg includes Last Train to Wensleydale in the box as well. Oh, cool. Good deal. It is a two- to four-player game. takes about 90 minutes to play. And in the game, you're managing a small local train company. And you're laying track and running trains in order to transport beer and mail and passengers to different stations on the map. The important things. Beer. Right. Yes. <laughs> I don't need so much mail. It's junk anyway. Local investors are going to top off your coffers of your local company every turn. But at the end of the game, they're going to want a little return on their investment, obviously. So what's happening is at the beginning of every round, you're going to complete compete rather in an auction for influence and the influence is in a couple different categories there's government influence train influence and influence with the red and the green the two national railways and all of them are very important to have a lot of influence in the government is important because that sets the turn order for laying track and and delivering uh, goods plus it's currency for dealing with the landowners because there are spaces on the board that will have landowners on them. Right. And they need to be handled by the government through your influence thereof to get them out of the way so you can lay track through their land. Eminent domain. Exactly. Right. <laughs> the train influence is 
the turn order determinant for renting trains. And it is the currency for doing so as well. And renting trains is a, is a wonderfully competitive little thing right there because the different trains each have different strengths. The red and the green influence, the national, the two national railways, mm -hmm. having influence there is really currency for connecting to the, to the stations of those guys, and it's a measure of their willingness to take over your unproductive rail lines because in this Martin Wallace game, that's his meanness in the game. Where, the, the nationalization? Well, your, your lines become unproductive because right. when you're delivering goods and passengers, they're, they're ablative. They go away. And so the rail from here to here is now not so valuable anymore, but, and you have to pay upkeep every turn. So what you want to do is have influence with these other national companies so they take over and nationalize those lines, get them off of your payroll. Nice. Yeah. When you're laying track, man, that's always fun. And it, it's a competitive little race game in there as well. There's rivers to contend with, different kinds of terrain, as well as those landowners. And when you're laying track, you're spending that those investment cubes that you have that the that the local investors have have paid you um, to to do your business with. You're using you're spending those to lay track. Okay. And if you've used too many of those in the auction for the different influence, you won't have enough to lay track, right? And so you might have to dip into the other influence, which can be used as a currency for laying track, but it's really not a good exchange rate. Uh oh. Gotcha. Uh, so, so there's a lot of little balance and nuance in how you spend those cubes. And then when you do rent the trains using the brown influence and you're carrying the people and the goods for profit, that's also a very, very competitive part of the game. And the profit part is, is a difficult part as well. You really need to manage being aggressive and getting the track and getting the things moved and then nationalizing the track behind be you because aggressive be, be aggressive be aggressive the game's profit track goes from plus 5 to negative 13 ouch meaning you're <laughs> going to be in the in the red <laughs> you know that that's that's the interesting twist of this game right. is you're operating at a freaking loss you know mm -hmm. and it's like how do i minimize my loss and maybe tip into a little bit of profit by the end of the game and it's it's very very difficult. So uh, the rules do need some clarification. There's lots of resources for those online. They weren't they weren't great. And the game is extremely fiddly to set up because basically you're pulling stuff out of bags, I, putting it on there, then you're taking some stuff off, and right. it's just, oh my god. But I, I think it's so worth the fiddly setup. It's a it's a very good change of pace game, mm -hmm. um, and and a good railroad game too, in my opinion, for what it is. You, you lay some, some track and you run a crappy train company <laughs> for fun and profit. Woo! Party! Quote, unquote, right. profit. Yeah, that's funny. It's got auctions, different currencies, route building, pick up and deliver, and tough Martin Wallach economics. So uh, I, give it a, I give it a four. I played it a bunch of times. And uh, I think it's worth uh, checking out, especially if you're into train games and you like something a little, uh, little change of pace. If you guys notice, I didn't chime in much there because I haven't played it yet. Uh, I got it as a throw-in, almost in a math trade. It was like a sweetener. Yeah. So I'm excited to play yeah. it. I just haven't. I don't have much to add. It. The research I did made it look cool, made it look interesting, made it look like yeah. another Martin Wallace that I wanted to experience. It's good filler for us, right? Well, a little bit step up from filler, yeah. but 
<laughs> but yeah, so definitely, uh, hopefully soon, I'll be able to get it played. All right. That's first train to Nuremberg. All right, it's time for Heavy Cardboard's take on The Capitals. So The Capitals, published in 2013 by Mer- Mercury Games, designed by Tiago Boaventura. It plays 2 to 5, although I've only played it 3, 4, and 5. It takes anywhere from 90 minutes to, say, 3 and a half hours, especially if you're on the higher end of the play count and it's early on in your experience level. Sure. Uh, so what's going on in the game is the Capitals is a city-building, tile-laying game where players compete to build up their city or their capital mm-hmm. uh, to be able to host the World Expo. The game is played over 12 rounds, which is broken up into three different eras. Players must juggle six main facets of running their city in order to do well. These are represented on the board as various tracks. The economy, which is how much money you have to work with, Culture, how attractive your city is to visiting tourists. Public services, which is your local government, and is it is it running your city efficiently? Uh, the progress track, which is your scientific development that helps your city improve its power station, which allows you to activate more buildings. The population and employment tracks, which you want to increase your population, but at the same time you want to make sure that your employment is keeping pace with your population. Oh, yeah. Players have to pay for turn order and then select uh, and build building tiles, after which players choose which and how often to activate the building tiles in their city. Activating buildings helps players move up on the aforementioned tracks. At the end of each era, there's a World Expo evaluation, i.e. scoring round, right. uh, and each player will or uh, can and will lose or maybe gain prestige, i.e. victory points, and the player with the most prestige at the end of the third era wins. So I said that, you know, you can and will lose uh, prestige points. The game feels a bit punitive at times because you're going to... Especially early. Yeah, you're going to be... uh, At the end of each scoring round, the, the, the World Expo eval, they're evaluating your city, and your city's not so much to look at the first, maybe even the, the end of the second era. So they look at your town and they, they hammer you as far as prestige. Mm-hmm. So you're accumulating all these negative points and you're like, am I going to be able to, am I going to be able to <laughs> score in the positive by the end of the game? And usually it's a non-issue. But man, that first th- half to two thirds of the game, you're wondering about that. Indeed. Um, which, to be honest with you, is something that I kind of dig about the yeah. game because of the fact that it's not. It's almost like the anti-point salad. You're getting right. points from a different, your prestige from a bunch of different things, but you're you're. It's not rewarding you for every little thing you do. It's like, hey, keep working at it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, maybe one day you'll get there, right. but right now you're not. Rub some dirt on it. Next turn. <laughs> right. Um, I dig the 3D nature of the board. Mm. Um, it has a cool. You know, look to it. Yep. Component quality is fantastic yep. on this. Super thick cardboard, uh, chunky wooden bits, the little tourist cars and mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Big fan of that. So the construction token, which is your building limitation. So when you go and you, you buy or you purchase one of these building tiles, you have to then put it on your tableau, mm-hmm. you know, in, uh, orthogonally adjacent to an existing building. Well, you have this little crossroad little T and right. it's literally two roads yeah, and intersections. Right. Yeah. 
And when you place a tile, you must place it where that construction marker is. You can break the rule. It's punitive if you do, but you can place it somewhere else. But So every time that you place a tile, you then get to move the construction marker to be able to... to place it somewhere else and to be able to build up a different part of your yeah, city. Right. And so it takes that forethought, you know, you have to be like, huh, well, I think I want to, you know, build up right. over here to try and get some synergy. So you have to move that marker. So I like that little extra level of planning. Exactly. That limitation, but it's a good kind of limitation. Um, so activating the buildings allows you to use the energy that you get from your power stations um, it's a lot like Keyflower in that respect, and that every activation, every subsequent activation, costs more and more energy. So the first time you activate a building costs one energy, right. say, and then the next one is one more than the total pieces of wood, or which are represented the little energy cubes. Mm -hmm. um, and so the second time it's two, the third time it's three, so on and so forth. Um, so it gets harder and harder, and it kind of harkens back to a game that we both really enjoy, which is Keyflower. Right. So tourism in the game, which I didn't, I mentioned a little bit that it's uh, that culture track, how attractive your city is to to the tourist people, and by people I mean the the pseudo people in your in your city are going to want to go out and venture to other cities. They're only going to want to go to the city with the, the highest culture. And so the the advantage of being higher on the culture track is you get everyone else's little little tourist cars. The little cars. Yeah. Right, which help you uh, activate buildings uh, cheaper. And so uh, by, by ha being higher on that culture track, you're able to take potential energy cubes, or i.e. the tourist cars, from other players and use them in your tableau. So that's kind of a, kind of a cool aspect, I think. The initiative track, which is turn order, um, those are non-trivial decisions uh, because it, it's not really an auction, but it's a, how would you say, it, it's kind of a, the more expensive spots are going to be higher in turn order, but you're going to be spending that money that you can't then use later on in your turn, right. and you have to be able to budget. And so how important is turn order for you for that turn? Uh, like I said, it's kind of the anti-point salad game because mm -hmm. you're not getting points. In fact, you're getting a whole lot of negative points <laughs> for the for the areas in which your city are, is lacking, which is fantastic. Um, and another thing is I just dig seeing my tableau, seeing my city yeah. build right there in front of you. You we know? like that. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. So there are a couple things that I should point out that are maybe not on the plus side of things. First off, it says it plays uh, two to five. Don't play it five. Don't ever play it five. Uh, three to four feels like the sweet spot. Um, five makes the downtime just excessive. It's yeah. just, it's, yeah, it's terrible. Five player, um, as far as in our experience with it, it's just, it, it plays way too long. Uh, the graphic design, um, the symbols take some getting used to, and you're going to be referencing back to uh, the little player aid yeah. that they give you, which is great, you know, that they have this the, the player aids, but it it's just it's kind of a bit of a learning curve sure. uh, for the graphic design on that. But once you learn it, yeah. it, it decreases that how much you get a reference. Many games, sure, sure. Um, and last but not least, it it rewards multiple plays. So the game might feel a little long for your first play, like. 
wow, that, you know, some games kind of hum along and four hours goes by and you're like, wow, where'd that go? The first time you play this, maybe not so much. It might feel all that time, <laughs> but it decreases significantly as you get more and more plays. Um, it's just a heavy, brain-burning city builder that rewards repeated play. Um, and we didn't go too far in depth on this, just we want to feature it later on in a future episode, so hopefully look for it then. Uh, as far as a rating, um, I'm going to save it for the featured review. Yeah. So Good idea. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's the Capitals. So here's Heavy Cardboard's featured presentation. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. The venerable old soldier. This game is responsible for my board gaming addiction hobby. And uh, Puerto Rico is a 2002 production designed by Andreas Seyfarth. The anniversary edition published in 2011. 2011. Originally 2002. The artist is Franz Fovinkel. Is he the same artist? Nope. Different oh, artist. It is. But there are three different artists for the uh, anniversary edition. I did edition. not know that. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Publisher, Rio Grande Games, and about Aaliyah a billion and others. Exactly. <laughs> you know, right. So. It's a two to five player game that takes a couple hours, give or take, with a player count. Availability and cost for Puerto Rico <laughs> is uh, for this edition. The standard edition is about thirty-two bucks uh, online. I've seen it forty-four ninety-five is manufacturer suggested retail price. And the uh, anniversary editions a little bit more little um, bit. if Not you much. can find it. Um, if you can, two to three hundred online. Mm. Uh, usually, uh, like in the on Board Game Geek on the on the marketplace, there sure. people are reselling it. Not hard, not easy to find anymore. Apparently, uh, I think people saw it online for sixty bucks when it came out. Wow! Yeah. Uh, for plays and player counts, I've only ever played three to five player counts. Same here. Just numerous ones over the years, but I've I've never played two player. You know, I the funny thing is, is the the two player official variant actually came in the anniversary edition. I've yet to play it. I've heard that it actually plays yeah, same. I've heard pretty it's well. Um, now you are the very much the experienced player when it comes to this, as far as the two of us. Sure, I've played it anywhere either five or six times. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I should note, I first played this about a year ago, so I am way late to the party. Better late than ever, I guess. Well, absolutely, and it's it's and it'll come through throughout our review, but. Um, my enthusiasm for the game is still very high. Awesome. So, yeah. Scalability for the game, I think, is, is quite fine. The sweet spot's four, but three and five is fine, in my opinion. Absolutely. And they play differently, uh, oh, yes. um, which yeah, we'll yeah. get into. But, yeah, I think it scales. And, like we said, apparently two-player as well. Um, but, I mean... It's not a two-player game, if you ask me, probably. I'm willing to give it a try and find out. Mm, okay. I guess I'm not, since over the years I have not done so. <laughs> All right, so as usual, we don't really teach how to play a game, especially a game like Puerto Rico that's got so much media out there on how to play it and no doubt. when to play it and why to play it. So we're going to just touch on a couple of things that uh, make the game... Uh, well, a couple of things that will make our points about the game... Make sense. Make sense. Sure. Have some context. Yeah. So 
Rolls. The game's a roll selection game, and that's the gas that fuels the engine of this game. Every turn, beginning with the governor, players are going to select a roll for that turn. Everyone will do the action that comes with that roll, beginning with the player that selected the roll, and that player is going to get a little special bonus, a little extra vigorous on top of that action that the, mm -hmm. that the roll provides. For example, the builder, if I select the builder, everyone's going to get the build, but I'll get a one-coin discount in my building. Which can be significant. Absolutely. <laughs> Critical, even. <laughs> After the end of a, of a round, the governorship will rotate, so everyone will get to be the governor numerous times and have the first selection of roles during the game. And the roles are basically a builder, a prospector, a captain, a craftsman, a mayor, a trader, and the settler. Trader, as in trading goods, not... Trader. Right, got not, not tor. Right. <laughs> there are uh, plantations in the game. You have your little player mat, each one, and it's half divided into the city of San Juan and half divided into a wilderness area that you're going to cultivate little plantation tiles in. And these are going to produce the crops that you're going to sell either raw or processed in the market or ship them away. There's corn, which is never processed, only traded raw. And there's indigo, coffee, tobacco, and sugar, all of which are processed in specialized buildings in San Juan before they can be sold or traded. And all thematically, historically accurate. Very cool stuff. There's also a quarry that you can put down in your plantation area, which produces stone. And that just functions as a discount mechanism when you're building buildings, you know. In order to produce goods, the fields must be worked. They must be staffed. and Which makes sense. Absolutely. Corn does not harvest, harvest itself. itself. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. So that you're going to need to position a limited supply of workers. They call them colonists in the game. In your different fields and in your different buildings, but more about that in a second, in accordance with your strategy, whatever you're trying to produce. And it is a limited supply, so at first you need to be really careful about where you put them. So the buildings. Some of the buildings will process the, the raw crops into sellable, tradable goods, and other buildings will just grant you special capabilities during gameplay. For example, the indigo plant. What do you think that does? Uh, I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> makes indigo, right? Out, right. Of, out of your indigo plantations. Sure. But the small market gives you an extra doubloon when you sell goods in the marketplace, right? A key feature of the building buildings are their limited supply. Mm -hmm. And so if there's one you want, you better go after because it. Because there's never – not everybody in the game is going to get the same building. They're yeah. all purposely right. limited less than the number of players. Right. Exactly. And the buildings cost money, coins. Of course. The quarries are the discounts for those things. So getting a, a recurring income with some of your buildings and things is a pretty important little part of the game. And buildings are also a very important source of victory points at the end of the game. Which is the goal of the game. Yes, victory points. When a player has built 12 buildings, i.e. they have filled up San Juan, that's one of the end game conditions. So there's the colonists. And the colonists are the, that resource that's required to staff both buildings and plantation fields in order to... Get your engine going. Some of the buildings can even take two or three colonists for a little greater productivity in the buildings. And for a chunk of the game, like I mentioned earlier, the colonists are in short supply, so you're really paying a, oh my God, I need to steal from Peter, right, give right. to Paul type thing, right? 
eventually you're likely to have more than you need as the game goes on. Guys are out fishing, just hanging out on the beach. That's right. Whatever. Right. In the slums there of San Juan. <laughs> I like to think that they're, you know... Drinking the rum. Right. And when one of the end game conditions is when the game runs out of colonists. And then there's shipping. And shipping is another thing that you do with the, with the goods that you produce. You don't sell these in the market. You ship them back to Spain for victory points. There's only three ships running in the game, and each one can only carry one kind of good at, at any one time. And so there's this whole thing about monopolizing what's on a particular ship and limiting VPs for other players. You know, that's, a, that's a key tactic. Boy, then, is it. When a ship is full, it sails off, and then it's ready to be taken over with other goods. Right. And um, one of the cool things about limiting the other people's use is when, when you can't ship everything, there's only a limited number of things you can keep on your dock, and then the rest of your goods will, will expire. Right, right. right. And that's, um, in a nutshell, what Puerto Rico is all about. There is an expansion for Puerto Rico. Two of them, really. And uh, there's 14 more buildings mm -hmm. uh, and forests, which are like quarries. But, but the kind of cool thing about forests is you don't have to put workers in the forest to get your discounts. But instead of one quarry giving you a discount, it takes two forests to give you a discount. Huh. Um, so, that's, so that's pretty cool. Rock on. And that's, uh, that's what's going on in Puerto Rico. Well, let's talk about the cardboard that you get in these two boxes. So Tony's going to talk about what comes in the standard edition, and I'm going to focus more what's in the anniversary edition. The reason being, I have zero experience with the standard edition. I know, first world problem. I understand yeah, that. Yeah. I'm just saying, we've only ever played this this version whenever you we played only. together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's all I can speak to. I mean, I've, I've seen pictures. I've you know read up on it online, right. but why would I bother when I have... The precious. Absolutely. <laughs> so components of graphic design in the in the normal version, the, the standard version of the game. Sure. They're plain. Okay. They're fine. Okay. <laughs> they're dated. Uh, so is it uh, now now I'm curious. Now for those that for for those that are not familiar with Puerto Rico, um, but maybe uh, familiar with a game like Castles of Burgundy. It, they're both a Leah. Are they similar component quality to something like that? Just kind of no. thin, flimsy. Oh no, no. The the no? quality of the uh, cardboard is is quite fine. Okay, it's All not right. as thick. Okay, as in the anniversary, but right. it's quite fine. It's not wafer thin as okay. they are in Castles of Burgundy. Okay, All right. right. But just artwork wise, bland. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No pictures, just words. All right. Well, see now with the anniversary edition. I mean, everything is top notch. The super thick tiles, the really? the th the ships, the player boards, um, the tiles are. They did a really smart thing with this. They have gorgeous artwork on one side with all the buildings. Mm -hmm. You flip them over, and it has all the description of what the building does, so right. you don't have to reference back. Granted, for those people that have played the game a million times, they get to enjoy the artwork side, sure, sure. whereas us us newer players still use the other, but. The option is there, which is fantastic. It comes with metal coins. Yeah. And they're a little small. They're kind of the they're like dimes. Pennies. Smaller than pennies. Yeah. I'd say more dime size. Uh, but they're beautiful. They, I mean, they clank. I mean, that's, yep. they're metal coins. What else do you want, right? Exactly. Um, they have big, chunky crates for the goods, yeah. which Instead are awesome. Instead of, in this game, they're octagon. Right. octagons. In that okay. game, they're crates. Yep. 
Uh, and like I said, the artwork is beautiful mm. through and through on everything from the ships to the player boards yeah. to the buildings. Also, the colonists are just like – they're like Advil in this one. They're just oh, little really? tiny – yeah, and over there, they're they're the octagons in that. Right. They're, the, they're the, what were the goods right. in like the They're like half-inch high, quarter-inch yeah. octagons in there, and they're, they're like aspirins over here. <laughs> <laughs> they're tiny. So gra- they're like the guys in through through the ages. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, so gr- the graphic design is pretty clear, and the uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I had no qualms. Sure, rulebook wise, I think it's wonderfully clear rulebook. Yeah, it, everything's laid out in the you know logical order. Mm-hmm. But uh, the nice thing about especially about Aaliyah rulebooks is they give that summary in the in the margin. Right. So if you're familiar with the game, but it's been a little while, instead of reading the whole thing, you can just be go down the margin and be like, oh, yep, 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 got it, okay, and boom, ready to rock and roll. So, uh, yeah, just nothing but praise as far as the rule book goes. Agreed. All right, let's talk about the weight of Puerto Rico. Edward, do you think Puerto Rico is medium? Is it heavy? Is it somewhere in betwixt? I would say in betwixt, but uh, probably on the on the medium side of things, definitely. Definitely, medium heavy. Um, yeah, I yeah, yeah I, I, I think I think I more medium. It's not um, just to go ahead and jump into complexity. It's not really a complex game. There's not you know crazy little secret rules. I mean, the buildings are the only things that add the complexity the, because the of their little breakers, rules. Right, right. right. But it's really not a complex game. Do you feel it's complex? No, the rules overhead is really low. Once yeah. you learn it, you look, you have right. it, you have it down. Um, for just to give a little bit of, I guess, background, I first played the game about a year ago, so mm-hmm. I, I'd had a year, uh, about two years in the hobby beforehand, mm-hmm. and it was super easy for me to pick up and learn. Sure, um, having you know played games uh, previously, uh, I picked it up pretty quick. Um, one thing that helps as far as complexity wise, not really rules overhead, but uh, depth of, of decision making, is as the roles get chosen by other players, uh, your choices get fewer. Right. So there's less over, you know, less uh, of an overwhelming decision tree and less AP. Sure. So it's a kind of an easier curve the later you are in turn order, I would say. With uh, planning, what's your opinion on the planning required to play Puerto Rico? I. I definitely feel like while you want to have one grand strategy in mind, it's a pretty tactical game mm-hmm. uh, as far as there were a lot of different uh, orders or different ways. Let me try that again. There's a lot of different <sighs> paths to victory? Yes and no. Paths, but what I'm trying to go at is the order in which the roles can be selected mm-hmm. can change so oh, much there's yeah. so many so well, much variety so as far right and exactly that's right. that's why and, and i agree you know you definitely there is some planning involved cuz you want to you know figure out a certain path through the game where it's going to be you know hey is it corn or is it this or or what it might be uh-huh. go after those buildings go after those plantations uh, etc but it, yeah with with the role selection and diminishing choices as the turn order changes um, yeah, highly tactical. Yep. Yet, I, as strange as that is, you and I tend to favor more strategic games. Sure. Yet, we really enjoy this. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting uh, uh, take on that, the fact that there can be tactical games that we really enjoy. Absolutely. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. So as far as 
luck and random factors. Okay. There's really one, isn't there? Is there anything else that I'm missing? There's the draw of the plantation tiles. Is there anything else that I'm forgetting? Other than, obviously, initial turn order, whatever. But I don't think so. No, I think so, we're good. Yeah, very low luck very in this low. game. Game length, I don't really feel is a, a factor to the weight of the game. You know, it's... No, it... it it's really pretty quick. It, it, it's surprisingly quick for, for the weight of the game. Mm-hmm. It, it plays fast. Uh, it's appropriate for what it offers. And, and it really... There's very little downtime, sure. usually. Yeah. Uh, so that helps keep it moving and, and make it feel like a quicker game as well. I think that uh, for a person, a newbie, to get it... Mm-hmm. Takes uh, a couple of rounds, seeing all the different roles and in their interaction. That's exactly what I have written Right. Yep. And um, because there are a few different, you know, paths through the game in terms of oh, let's take these buildings and these crops. Yeah, kind of main uh, paths strategy wise. Right. I think uh, multiple plays would reward a person, uh, a person's exploration of the game as well. Oh yeah, it, like you have to see the final scoring. Just you know, counting up and and see those. Those victory point buildings at the right. end, um, and then you know you see how badly you got destroyed right. by experienced players, right. um, and then you learn. Okay, what did they do? Right. Hey, that's something that I can mimic, or maybe that I, I try and go hunt on my own. Um, but yeah, as far as getting it, few few rounds uh, just to see what the what the different roles do. I agree. Cool. Well, let's talk about what we enjoy about Puerto Rico. <laughs> Well, it's the gold standard for role selection games, right? This is the mother of role selection. This yes. is the one where they all come from, is it not? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there a lot of game and it plays, you know, surprisingly quick, you know, or relatively speaking, it plays quick. Sure. Um very little downtime between turns. Um because okay, you selected the builder, well, we all get to We build. all get to do something. Right. You know, unless you don't have any money. Or, right, or or you choose not to. Choose not to. I always choose not to when I don't have any money. Right, but eh, whatever. <laughs> uh, timing means a lot in this game, and and I really like that. And I think that that's where a lot of the player interaction is, where you're trying to say minimize the player interaction by timing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to build when you cannot. Right, you know those kinds. Sure. Of, well, and, and that kind of jumps into what I have as my next note, which is. The game's as much about making you lose as it is making myself yeah. win. Or, you know, it's there's but there's no direct take that in this game. No. And so it's it's, it's positive negative interaction. Right. It's it's really a unique, you know, animal in that respect. I, I don't believe, even though I have my own little San Juan and plantation area over uh-huh. here, I don't believe that this is I mean, you can't call this multiplayer solitaire because of that. I think Puerto Rico and Bigfoot are in the same, you know, it's a myth. Oh, I was like, where are you going with Bigfoot? It's a myth. Sasquatch and Sasquatch. Yeti and, okay. Yeti. No, 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 I, I, I get that. Um, there's a lot of interaction, I feel like, in the role selection, in just the way the roles, mm-hmm. you know, everybody taking the same action, and that whole, I guess, take that indirectly. Um, yeah, I, I think there's plenty of plenty of interaction here. There is a uh, there is a cycle in this game that I see, and that is at the beginning, you know, you need to have some fashion of of earning some, creating some recurring revenue, right? 
building yeah. your economic engine. Well, and specifically some money, right? Revenue, right? So that you can get some buildings that are going to help you do all the other things that you need to do, mm-hmm. in- including continue to enhance your revenue. And then you're going to focus. You're going to like switch on to victory point scoring time, you know, and start doing various things like that. And then you're going to decide when you should end the game. And if you're not the one deciding when you're going to end the game, you're probably not going to like it when it ends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, You messed up the first two things, right? Yeah. uh, (laughs) Quick to learn, hard to master. Uh, So if, if you're playing with experienced players, the good news out of that is you're going to get to see what works and what, and what you did, why it didn't work. Um, so there, there's that, uh, there's that feedback loop as far as, oh, this is why I got crushed early on. Kind of with that, that skill is going to win out. Uh, effective focus strategies really are the order of the day. Mm-hmm. It forces you to develop different strategies as you play the game more that also evolve based on player count as well. Right on. I think that Puerto Rico is some awesome gateway material into heavier fare. That's what it was for me. It got me from Carcassonne being cool to like, whoa. There's a whole nother world. There's a whole nother world out there. Huh. You know, I always thought of this as more of a medium weight game, but I guess I could put it kind of with Lahav in that respect that that has always been the one that I recommend as a gateway to heavier games. Mm -hmm. But, no, I could see Puerto Rico being in the same vein. Uh, You know, late on the rules, but uh, deep as far as the decision matrix. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I dig that. Um, And kind of what I was fumbling over earlier was uh, the huge amount of roll sequences. That's the word I was trying to go with. Um, It allows for a really a ton of brain burning decisions because you can try and look around the board and try and figure out what people need or what they don't need and try, especially if you're earlier in the turn order, try and map out and almost force their hand into what actions, what roles you want them to select just by your astute, you know, uh, situational awareness of everybody else where they're at in their game. And all of those roles, with the exception of the prospector, they're just so so integrated and blended. That, and I think that's what is part of what makes what you just said possible. Even sure, um, it's, like, it's like you're setting them up yeah, it, for them the soft pitch to you, maybe right? Exactly, and that and that's what you're trying to do. You're yeah. trying to either get them to throw you softballs or make it to where, like you said, oh, you don't have enough money to build. We'll go ahead and choose the builder, right? That type thing. Um, yeah. Uh, on that note, speaking of the prospector, or, or not necessarily the prospector, but just in general, how there's there's cash incentive for le- less chosen roles. How every after every round for every role that wasn't chosen, you added a bloom or a buck on right, there, right? And at a at, at a certain point, the temptation is going to be too much to be like, okay, is that the most optimal move? Maybe not, but man, that's a stack of cash, and I'm. I don't really need another indigo plantation, <laughs> but I need that four bucks, right? You know, 
Yeah. That's that's pretty much it. Um, another thing, and a huge kudo, I guess, to the game design is outside of the occasional AP, uh, you know, role selection, there is real, very little downtime in this game. Yeah, if you're not paying attention, then you're gonna you're gonna screw up, make something, uh, make a suboptimal move, tee it up for someone else, for example. So you really need to be paying attention. There, there should not be any downtime. You need to be paying attention, like you said, looking around the table. What do I need? What do they need? And making your decisions from there. Which, obviously, your first game or two, you might not be doing too much of that. You're going to be pretty <laughs> self-absorbed. Sure, sure. Um, but you should be fully engaged once you're yeah, well, you, competent. You, well, even when you're incompetent, you're fully engaged because well, yeah. you're, you're so worried about what you're trying to do in your own house. I dig that there's tons of variants. So... I mean, let's face it, Puerto Rico's been around, what, 13 years at this point, and some people have played this thing to death. Mm-hmm. I, thankfully, am not one of them, and so the the base game and the, the, the nobles and the building expansions, which, again, I've never played without those, Right. Um, so that's enough game right there before I go exploring. There are just a plethora, Jefe, of... Variants out sure. there, like a four-player to where it's a team game almost. Team game. And well, even with the with the expansion of the new buildings, there's a there's a way to like draft which buildings are actually in this game, which is how we normally play. Which makes it difficult when you're when you're learning the game. Right. You're like, I don't know, that sounds cool. We'll go with that one. Um, but it it keeps it fresh, and that kind of rolls into kind of some things that maybe. We don't like, uh, but that some of the board, some of the buildings are pretty bleh, you know. And so I'm looking at you, University. What? Is that <laughs> and so being able to draft the initial buildings with the expansion buildings, and again talking about the anniversary edition because that's the only experience I have, and that comes with both those expansions. Mm-hmm. You're drafting those buildings, so those buildings that are bleh, that you don't want in the game, don't draft them. Problem solved, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Unless somebody else is playing, they want one of those in, and so well, if they're never going to get your full what you really want. Oh, sure, so. sure. But that's that's part of the draft. It's not it's yeah. not a Tony draft. It's a us draft. Damn. Yeah. Right. So let's talk about things not to like in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So setup can be a bit lengthy, uh, especially when you're drafting what expansion buildings to use. Um, I don't think it's excessive. But it can be a bit, you know, more than your average game. Sure. I agree with that. There's uh, the noobs on the right thing. There's a lot of things that are out there about, oh, this is, you know, maybe something, a defect in Puerto Rico, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, I don't want to rehash a bunch of those. But, the, sure. but two things spoke to me. One is the noobs on the right. Basically, if you want to win the game, if you're an experienced player and you have a new player in the game, you're supposed to sit directly on their left. Just like in poker, you, it's called the Jesus seat because you, you you want the bad player to your right, um, and so yeah, so right. that's what we call it. So it's the same idea here. I'll be honest, having only five or six plays here, I've been the new guy. I sure. played with you. I've played with Sweater Mike, um, and I haven't felt anyone take advantage of it. But I think as long as somebody is 
competent as far as just a gamer. They understand yeah. the cycles that these get into and yeah. what people are trying to manipulate them into, and they can find their way out of the paper bag. You know, I, I don't think the the hype about it is proportionate to the amount a, of hype. It's real effect in the game. Yep. I mean, there's lots of games where players screw up the game balance. Right. Um, you know, one thing that you can do about it is maybe adjust your seating. Another thing you can do about it is how about explaining the phenomenon to the new player <laughs> before the game, especially if they are a competent player, so right. that they can be on the lookout and understand. So that it, and it, I understand that a lot of players want to experience the strategy and learn the game on their own. Which and we're not we're, talking we're, about right. giving them strategy. We're sure. saying. Look, keep an eye out for this, and people right. are going to try and push you in, in, in whatever, and just make them aware of, like you said, the phenomenon that the game is subject to, or at least accused yeah. of, and yeah, and move on from there. Um, so, I mentioned a little while ago, some buildings are better than others, but really, drafting helps mm -hmm. eliminate some of those buildings. So, okay, there's a problem, there's our fix, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point, obviously, with this game being out so much, some people are going to be burnt out on Puerto Rico because they probably played it to death when it first came out, you know, in the early to mid-aughts. And I would say maybe check out some of the variants out okay. there and give it another go, you know? The other thing that spoke to me on the, on the list was initial turn order. There, apparently, it's been statistically proven... <laughs> that starting with corn is a slight advantage, and it varies with player count. It, is that like white has an advantage in chess? And so um, there was a there was something they do in tournaments. I think is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Bid victory points in half victory point increments and stuff for turn order. Problem solved there. You, you I want to be first. Might cost you two or three victory points at the end of the game. Interesting. And to be honest with you. We, I mean, even some of the games that we truly, truly love, we've played 10, maybe 15 times for the most part. We're not getting that deep statistically and no, analyzing no, games. No. And nobody in our group is like that. No. So we're just not playing with people that are going to hyper exploit some of these, right. you know, uh, perceived issues with the game. Um Another balancer of turn order I've heard that if if you think it's an issue for you is cool you're you're first you're starting with corn you get one doubloon less offsets yeah okay so like you said though it's just never been a I'm not at that level I'm happy to admit I'm just not the same eighteen xx right relax <laughs> play the game so with the with the huge amount of role selection sequences that are out there. Uh, those prone to AP can bog down a little, just get lost in looking around the table. Okay, what do you, okay, and then move on to the next player in a, in a five-player game. It can be a bit of an issue, mm -hmm. so just, you know, a little elbow to the ribs will take care of that, right? Absolutely. <laughs> just go ahead and take the prospector, will you? <laughs> <laughs> they do that, and then they go, I'll take the prospector. <laughs> and you're like, wait, you just what? studied for five minutes for, really, you're going to do that? That's right. um, So one thing I failed to mention earlier, um, it's kind of harkening back, I guess, is the difference in player count. And so some people have said that uh, five players can be a little too chaotic. 
Um, and you mentioned earlier that four feels like a sweet spot here. Um, if you feel like it's too chaotic with five, apparently, the, again, I don't have enough experience to say definitively, but three player, seem, you, you tend to have the most control mm -hmm. in the game, cause obviously because you're not having to wait so long until your next turn, so that makes sense. So if you're worried about that, loss of control, play with fewer players. All right. All right. So you want to you wanna talk about it? Sure. All right. Go for it. You start. Nope. Okay. So I guess we should mention that the game has um, implied slavery in it. Yeah, this just in. Um, Puerto Rico, back in colonial times, had slaves. Yeah. This isn't news. Slavery's terrible. Slavery's still going on. There is nothing positive whatsoever in any respect, in any way, about slavery. With that said, however, this is a game. Mm -hmm. um, you and I are both war gamers as well. Uh, we like historical themes. Um, I have no problem with slaves being in the game, whether it's this, five tribes, whatever. It do just doesn't bother me. It's right. it's we're not we're not. I guess we're not glorifying no, no slavery. I, I mean, it's just it's it's what's. What happened? I, I don't want to run the f from the fact that no, but it existed and that yeah. it does exist. But it's just I just kind of over it in games, though. It's it's this is not a slavery theme game. It's not a death camp theme. It's not a murder theme. It's right. It's a worker in a building in a game. Right. It's a mechanic and um, like it's an abstraction. So just you know, if this was a a white labeled box of mechanics it would still work equally fine mm -hmm. so yeah yeah it, if it bothers you don't play don't play i guess i i just it's a non-issue what's i just zero issue whatsoever and the fact that the the colonists are brown eh, i don't get i whatever right yeah so yeah that's all we got on that So for me to summarize Puerto Rico, uh, it, it is to me the venerable old soldier of board gaming, responsible for my addiction. And for that, it will always have my respect and a place in my heart and my collection. The game has won 11 international awards. It owned the number one spot on BGG for six years. That's cool. This does not happen when a game sucks or does not resonate with the community. To me, Puerto Rico is a classic design that, in my opinion, is board gaming royalty. It is that elder figurehead of the state that is respected and influential. It doesn't get to play it used to, but when I get to play it, I still immensely enjoy the game. And if you're new to the hobby, you love medium or, or heavy games, or you're looking for a game to transition people into starting to play some heavier games, look at this old game. <laughs> and play it. Just buy it. It's a it's a it's a really good one. You won't be sad. Huh. All right, rock on. See, for me, I come about this from a totally different perspective. It's not it's an old game because it was published a long time ago. Right. But it's not an old game to me. It's a year old to me in that respect. Does it feel like it's a modern game, like a game like Wildcatters or or Kanban or any? No, it it feels 
older, but it doesn't feel mm. dated. Okay. And every single time that we get this game to the table, I'm excited to play it, and I bitch and moan, why do we not play this more often? Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for this podcast, I'd probably play it more than we do. For the simple fact that we're having to churn through games to, for we, the podcast. We play a lot of different games. We yeah. do. Um, and not all newer yeah. games, yeah. just we have to get through the games. It's a game that I thoroughly enjoy. I easily foresee myself playing it another 20, 30, 40 times before it's all said and done. And I'll be honest, I can't wait to play it again. So what's your rating for Puerto Rico? You know, I... That's tough. Um, But you know what? I'm just going to give it a a, a solid five. A solid five. A solid five. Um, Is it a Hall of Fame game? It's a Hall of Fame in a sense that it's 13 years old and it's still a top 10 game on BGG. But it's it's just there's not enough oomph there and there's enough questions, I guess, about long term viability. Uh, uh, about the oh, no, 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 as far as you know, uh, not not so I'm I'm failing in my description here. I do wonder if some of the gripes about the game long term matter once you get 30 40 plays in on the game but realistically how many games am i going to play 30 40 times um but yeah without without rambling anymore i'd say yeah. solid five for me um for me yeah. given, given what it meant to me mm-hmm. what it still means to me it's awards it's it's perch on the rankings and everything if this is not a six there is no hall of fame there is no <laughs> hall of fame if this is not a six well for you, but keep in mind, I don't have that that history with the game, I, though. I think it, its influence on the hobby and its standing in the hobby has, irrespective of my personal biases, has has declared this a Hall of Fame design. I, and I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying, for me, my rating, I yeah. don't have it as... But I'm not looking at it in the pantheon of gaming history... Sure. You know, if I did, then all older, you know, chess, crokinole, all those would have to be sixes too. And I wouldn't necessarily say that. All right. That makes sense? It does. Okay. It does. All right. Cool. Right on, man. Make me have to justify my rating. <laughs> <laughs> That's Puerto Rico, guys. All right. Let's shift some conversation to some various other topics that are might be on our mind currently. So why don't you start us off? All right, um, so the big news that came out this week, Spiel de Jaris and Kenner Spiel de Jaris mm. and Kenner, or the kid game, whatever. Uh, so the nominees came out for that. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts? Okay, mm-hmm. uh, so thanks to the lack of coverage by the Spiel de Jaris people um, and recognition or lack thereof of heavier games, that's where the Golden Elephant Award came from. That's, That's right. why we came up with this Golden Because there really is no other, even remotely mainstream, uh, awards out there. The Sferas Fila. Sure. Which, means, which means? Heavy game. Okay. Of the year. All right. So, yeah. If, if you guys aren't familiar, check out our Golden Elephant Awards. Mm-hmm. We've done it for the last couple of years. Yep. Uh, next year, we may be expanding it to... A wider, more more categories, um, but yeah, we're just 
when the heaviest game that's getting mainstream awards is something like Orléans, which is a fine game. We yeah, both enjoy Orléans. Good game. So, hey, kudos to Tasty Minstrel on that. Nothing bad to say about yeah. it. But it's not Arkwright. It's not... Madeira. Right. It's not, uh, you know, Fire in the Lake. It's right. not... It's none of these type games. Mm-hmm. Why are they getting no love? So, that's where the Golden Elephant came from. And hopefully, y'all appreciate and, and enjoy and agree... Or not, as it were, with our uh, with our choices. Yep. So yeah, I just wanted to vent a little on that. Indeed. <laughs> well, I'll tell you um, something that's been on my mind. I mentioned it in last episode that I've like caught this 18xx bug. Right. And maybe I'm, that's why I'm coughing and I've been so sick. Yeah, are you coughing up tiles? <laughs> Hexagons, trains, and right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really excited about our first uh, game group meetup. Um, but it's going to be a, an 18XX day, so 1846 is going to hit the table. Mm-hmm. Pretty stoked about that. And so what I want to do is like say, wh- why do I have the 18XX bug? Why has this infected me? So, Tony. Yes, sir. Tell me. Tell our listeners well, and, I, and our viewers, why have you gotten bitten by this bug? Well, it's a, it's a really good bug to have been bitten by, I think. And, and so what I really want to do is like talk about this a little bit. And yeah, maybe, I'm curious, maybe, dude, because maybe, maybe I have no idea. some other people. Rock on. I, my first exposure was, was many years ago to an 18XX game. I was not impressed. Uh, the company was uh, less than desirable, uh, et cetera. And, the um, company. Yes, Oh, the oh the, the other the, players. The gotcha. yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, so my but my first real play was uh, about two years ago at the at the reunion group, and I, I probably shouldn't have gotten into the game because I was total noob. It was a heavier heavier version. I don't even remember the name of it. <laughs> Took a long time. I totally you know, boom, shot myself in the noggin, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a great experience. But. Um, that didn't uh, temper me. It did delay me in in playing. And then uh, getting into some of the games like 1846 and stuff like that has refired this like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm looking for. And so um, those things are that the game system is generally the same, right? It's, it's a whole family of games that share the, the same basic principles. But there's this entire set of scenarios and nuances in, in the games there's you know small private companies that differ in some fashion through the different games. Some games don't have private companies. There's different stock market implementations, different effects on the stock market. There's different maps and geographies and terrain in the different games. Some games have loans and mergers, takeovers, government assumptions, bankruptcy, receivership. Some games don't. You know, different combinations of that stuff. There's all this amazing variation of weight and decision and Mm -hmm. it's really cool often we're both history nuts the game has a historical context to it Mm -hmm. you know well i mean that's one of the appeals that i had for 1879 was it's set in the northwest yeah that's my home you you know and so i was like i don't care really necessarily if the game is super great or if it's not i want it because it has the historically historically accurate Companies that were up in my neck I, of the woods. I thought 1879 was pretty cool. Oh, it was. No, I'm saying that's one with I no privates. Care. Even right. Um, 
No, so I'm wondering on this. Well, well hang oh, on. Oh, there, oh, there, there, oh. There, there's track laying oh. and, and route building in the game where you can like maximize your routes and hinder the 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 others. Stationing. And, and it's collaborative to a bit of a degree because uh, different companies can use different uh, the same lines, mm-hmm. the same track. And you're right. The stationing, where to choose to build your stations, is not only a key to your revenue growth, but you know, uh, blocking out the competition. Um. The corporation management, managing your corporation, hopefully well or so, not, or not, to, whether that's on purpose or not, you right, know, is a different right. thing. I like the division of corporate money and private money too. I really like that in games. The the train rusting, <coughs> which is that obsolescence, which is like a, a, a keep up with the technology pressure or suffer, and how some games immediately once that next level of train. Say the twos, they're gone. Other games, a little bit soft, lighter, sure, ki- sure. kinder, gentler, and you get to run them one, one last time. time. Right? There's a, really little luck and random factors in. There's no yeah. luck. Well, sometimes you know, well, uh, seating. Yeah, initial initial seating order. The end. The long play times of many of the games. Some of the shorter ones are three hours, four right. hours, and, and obviously they go up from there, but. You really get to see the game develop and the tracks expand and things like that. your corporation life it cycles. Tells a story. Yeah, it really, really does. And uh, and lastly, it's just highly competitive play. And so, I'm hooked. Rock on, that dude. Uh, I know when Paul Chad hears this, he's gonna do a little happy dance, whether he's on a do flight somewhere or or whatever. He's gonna be really happy to yeah. hear. I I am really excited to hear that, and it's. Because I, I've been frustrated that like it's few and far between when we get to play them, and Amanda's a big fan. Um, she holds her own in these. She's won a couple of these, so we have four at our yeah. beck and call. And I know there are and others there are that others. are interested. Yeah. And, and, to and this play. is I was adamant. You know, first Saturday of every month is an 18xx heavy cardboard game group day, and hopefully more than just that one Saturday. It might be two Saturdays throughout the. You never know how month. it goes, right, um, dude? That I'm really excited. That um, I hope that I hope that what you ex, you know the reasons that you are excited. I hope other people don't see it as so intimidating. Yeah, don't be. Just just go with it. Get into a game, get into one of the the, the, the intro the, games right. and, and, and and that's and, why I say 1846 it's totally different and I don't want to get too much into this. But there are basically two main types yeah. of of uh, 18xx games. There's the 1829 which is more Lane track and more about running good companies. Mm-hmm. Then there's the 1830 side, which is all about you know killing each other and stock manipulation, stock manipulation. and just brutality. Um, which I enjoy them both. Mm-hmm. But 1846 is more on the on the kinder gentler side yeah. on the 1829, and it really is such a good entry level game. But as you know, all, this whole row behind me. Um, and this is nothing compared to what's out there, but there's a whole lot of these to get played, man. I can't wait. I'm excited that you're excited. So I have a question for you. And let me kind of work through this a little bit and see if it makes sense. Uh, I'll, I'll take a meandering path, as I am wont to do. So my question is, why are some people so apprehensive to buy games? And what I mean by that is, if you can afford it, if a game appeals to you, just buy it. 
just go ahead and purchase it. Give it a play. Or three. And if you don't like it, you know what you can do. This is crazy. And wait for it. But you can trade it away. Or <gasps> sell it. And for, if not as much as you paid for it, close to. And so what? You pay $5, $10, $15 for a rental fee? Right. You know, to be able to experience the game? And earlier in the episode, you had brought up, was it, uh, what get, Mercator, right? right? Uh, which is a... Uber a, Rosenberg. Right. And you were like, I know feelings are mixed about the game, and some people like it, some people don't. I want to know my feelings about the game. And if you can afford it, go and get it. Mm -hmm. And then try it, and if you love it, great, keep it. If not, turn around and you can... You can make back the majority of your money. Now, for those that are... I'm speaking specifically to people here in the States. Other countries, they might not have as, I guess, big a pool in which to possibly trade or sell their game. Mm -hmm. Then you have to worry about, you know, shipping to a different country. And sure. that, that that negates that. I get that. Even our Canadian friends, eh? Um, but yeah, do you, do you think I'm nuts on this? Because that's how I... Think about, if there's a game, I do a little bit of homework, and I'm like, yeah, that really interests me. I'll go ahead and pull the trigger. I can afford it. And then 5 10 15 bucks. If I don't like it, yeah. I turn around and get rid of it. Well, I definitely ascribe to what you're saying. And I, if, if there's a game that's interesting to me, or Kator, mm -hmm. I want to form my own opinion about it. If no one has it... That's one. For example, no, none of us have. Right. I'm going to get it, and I'm going to play it. And I'm going to decide if it's in my collection or not. And like you said, it's a rental fee for me. <laughs> and I've already got like 12 games on the shelf for the next heavy cardboard auction because I've taken these games in, I've played them, and said, all right, I've experienced it. I like this. I don't like that. Whatever it might be. Or I, I got what I well, needed out of it. I don't need to, to keep on. it. You know, you know, whatever it is, and, and move on. But... Um, I think, you know, we do have to think, though. I think, you know, it is about that money that you talked about. Sure. And, and we're both currently fortunate in our situations where that's that's not a big deal. Um, but I think that's the, that's the key factor, I think, maybe causing apprehension out there with folks. Maybe. And I don't mean to come across as entitled or... No, no, no. It's just... Maybe people don't think about it that way, and that's kind of what I'm I'm trying to get at. It's right. not. Are you saying like rather than say, "Hey, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think?" Get it and yeah, just it, what you think? if you have the means available, maybe think about, "Hey, it's not a fifty, sixty, forty, seventy dollar investment, whatever it may be. Think of it as maybe a ten dollar investment, because if you don't like it, turn around and flip it." And by flip, I mean turn around and, and sell it in the marketplace or okay. eBay or whatever. And I just, I think a lot of people don't think about it that way. Or maybe it could be, you know what, their time's more valuable and it's not worth going through the hassle. And Locked so, yeah, yeah, of all that. And that's entirely sure. possible. But I guess my point was just maybe to open people's eyes and get them thinking about a different way to explore more games than they maybe normally would have. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. That's all I got. Right on. Okay, time to bring episode 24 to a close. Before we do, one more word about Game Surplus, our sponsor, www.gamesurplus.com. Great people, great games, great prices. Give them a check out over there. Yeah, and let them know uh, you guys went there from Heavy Cardboard. Yep. 
Um, they're happy with us, so we don't need you to, but we'd like you to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell people how to uh, get in contact with us, please. Twitter, first and foremost, we are uber active there, at Heavy Cardboard. Facebook, Heavy Cardboard. Uh, our website, heavycardboard.com. Email is info at heavycardboard.com. And our YouTube channel is Heavy Cardboard Vids. So, yeah, that's about it. That's... uh. By the time you guys see this, I'm hoping that I'm getting ready for bed before HeavyCon and I'm not totally stressed out any more than I already am. He'll be stressed. Well, I mean, we got, what, 18 people or so coming over to play games at the house? It's not like they're coming over to give you a physical. No, I know, but I just want them to have a good time. If they're traveling in, I want them to make sure they're having a good time. Yeah. So, Oh, they will. Okay. They will. I like the confidence. Thanks. All right. So we'll catch you guys in a couple weeks. No idea what the next episode's going to be. Surprise. Yeah. See y'all. Hey. Should we have mentioned that we don't wear pants when recording? Maybe not. Yeah, it's probably awkward. Yeah. It's behind the table. Yeah, it's they can't see. That's fine. All right. <laughs>